Heard Coach Stoops say it should be a reviewable play. Um, the current rule, Drake, is that a field goal is reviewable if the call is that a ball went above or below the crossbar or a ball was inside or outside of the upright. However, it is not reviewable if the ball is above the upright. So that's how it sits currently. Um, I propose they take another look at that um, and review it if it's close enough to where it deems a, a review. So that's how it is currently. But, uh, you know, as we've said, plenty of opportunities to win that football game outside of uh, outside of that field goal. So that's not really where the frustration with that game lies. I mean, it's not the main area of frustration where you should be uh, fixating all of it, but it was definitely the cherry on the top of not yeah. just that game, but the season as a whole. It's like, okay, like what else can go wrong? Oh, okay, we're going to have a field goal that's going to be called no good that pretty clearly looks good, and it's not going to be reviewable. That's the way the season's gone. Of course, it's going to end this way. Yeah. Yeah, frustrating. Very, very frustrating. What do you think about the TCU Kansas State game? Um, I, you know, we were Tyler and I were talking last hour. If uh, he was going through that, the I don't know if that's the an ESPN tool or whatever that kind of tells you what would happen with the results, what they think would happen with the results of of this weekend, and it almost looks like TCU is going to be in under any scenario, and I think that is a bad omen for TCU if that's what the narrative is for them going into that game. Yeah, I I mean, the one thing that they have going for them right now is that they aren't the looked at as the top team in the nation, right? Like, they're, they're looked at as a team that's pretty comfortably in, but they still have a lot of things that they can look at to have as a chip on their shoulder, I guess is the way I would put it. Because everybody's looked at this team nationally and said, yeah, they're undefeated, but they play in the Big 12. They don't really blow teams away that are good. So, I mean, yeah, we'll put them in the college football playoff, but do we think that they're on the level of a Georgia or Michigan right now? No, not at all. So that's, yeah, I agree with you. It could be a bad omen for TCU, but they still have that little chip on their shoulder that they can play as well, saying, yeah, it's true. We could comfortably be in, but we still have a lot that we feel like we have to prove to everybody. Yeah, that's probably right. Um, You know... And maybe it's just because I haven't seen much of them. But I kind of feel the same way about Georgia as I did about Ohio State. It's just, I haven't seen you. I really don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I hear everyone telling me nonstop how great you are. And I know that they are the reigning national champ. And my goodness, how long is the... I, well, I, for, I always forget that they lost the uh, SEC championship to Bama last year. but Everybody can with the way I, that playoff went. Yeah. So. yeah. So 
I, I know they're good, but are they really unbeatable? Are they really that good? I mean, I know they, they stomped a, a, what ended up being a good Oregon team, but that's not it's not really a fair assessment of like how much better they are than Oregon, considering it was the very first game in Georgia's backyard, defending national champ. Uh, Lanning's first first game there with that team, new system, all of the all of that stuff. Not really a fair assessment, uh, I don't believe, for how good Georgia is. But I don't know. I guess it's hard to knock them. You know, they handled Tennessee. They um, you know they handled all of their games late. I don't know. I I just I, I'm not as convinced as everyone else that Georgia is just an unbeatable football team this year, which really. It's a pretty easy schedule. I know they played number one Tennessee, but outside of that, they didn't really play anyone that's really even close to their level. Yeah, I, I mean, the the one thing I, I would also add to that Oregon game, too, is you have an entire offseason to game plan for Oregon, and what coach in America probably knows what a – landing coach team would possibly look like than Kirby Smart. Nobody. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing that Georgia had going for it, too, not to mention just possibly having a ton more talent than what Oregon does on the field yeah. as well. But, yeah, I mean, I haven't gotten a ton of opportunities to see Georgia play. I got to see quite a, quite a bit between – I'm trying to think of what game it was whenever it was – they were playing Tennessee. I'm sure OU had a morning kickoff because that was probably in the string of the seventh straight uh, or whatever it was. It was, it was uh, November 5th. So who that did we was, play uh, That was Baylor, up? right? Baylor? Yeah. Is that right? I think that's yeah. right. Uh, so yeah. I think I got to – I think that game was after Baylor. I think that was a 230 kick. I think that we got to watch a little bit of that in the booth. Uh, I mean, they, they just completely controlled that game. And yeah. it was when it was before Hooker well, obviously got hurt. I mean, he. It was when Tennessee looked like they had the best offense in all of America, and they completely shut them down. So yeah, well, it's also whenever, and I'm not saying that this changes anything mm-hmm. or changes who's better or not, but it's also whenever they jumped Tennessee over Georgia in the in the rankings right right before they head into georgia to play yeah and like if you need to fuel them any more than you already do it's like just go ahead and disrespect them not only did they bump tennessee to one i think georgia got bumped back to number three yeah they were put at three Uh, that week and i think ohio ohio state was two that week it seems like so yeah so it's just fuel more fuel for the fire absolutely but that being said, they are the defending champions. They have handled business the way that you would expect them to. One or two close games, which, I I mean, show me a team that hasn't had any close games at all in a college football season. I'll show you every other national champion that has had one or two close games, even to teams that are well yeah. below uh quality that that national champion eventually is so 
I, I don't know. I, I think that Georgia's still probably the best team in America, but I also don't have any baseline to prove that off of in terms of a high-quality opponent. Anybody that you can look at at this point in the season and say, yeah, that's one of the best teams in the nation. I think Tennessee was that whenever Georgia beat them, but obviously they are very different at this point of the year. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Um, I don't know, man. I I know nobody wants to hear it, but I think the team to look out for in the playoffs is the University of Southern California. Yeah, they got I, the best player. Yeah, they've got, um, they've got a fan base and everyone that's you know a team that's been bad for a long time. Like all of a sudden, uh, everyone's you you just get that big pile on um, mentality. You know, bandwagon. I don't mentality. know. Yeah, yeah, bandwagon, and it just it it's hard to hard to derail that train. So, and like I said. I know nobody wants to hear that, but sadly, it's true. And they got a defense that, you know, even though I, I'll agree that I don't think top to bottom they're they're a great defense, or maybe you could say they're not even a good defense, but they turn the football over in massive numbers. And being opportunistic sometimes is just as good, perhaps even better than being a great defense. Yeah, I mean, it completely flips the field for you. It takes points off the opponent in a more direct way, right? And it also, the one thing that I would say about this USC defense, though, having to go up against like a Michigan, a Georgia, uh, even a TCU, is they, I don't know. I, I don't know that you can point to a team in the Pac-12 that, Aside from SC, that has a top that SC's had to play that has a top tier offense. Yeah, I mean Oregon, UCLA Oregon was, was, was good. Yeah, um, and they didn't have to play Oregon, who was the best offense. Yeah, um, and and they struggled against some good quarterbacks. Right, they struggled against Cam Rising. They struggled against the uh, the kid at Arizona that could run around and and do some good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they haven't seen they haven't seen the quarterbacks of the of the. I mean, it's not necessarily the quarterback situation. It's like with TCU, it's just the skill position guys. Like the amount yeah. of of skill they throw at you and height and you know the running game and the quarterback run game, all of that stuff is is what's tough with TCU. And you know the the biggest thing with like a Michigan, a Georgia. I, they haven't seen anyone that's nearly as dominant as those teams are in the line of scrimmage yeah. on both sides of the ball. Like Absolutely. that's the big, big difference. Absolutely, and but that's, still, yeah. I mean, like, the great equalizer mm-hmm. is Caleb Williams. Yeah, but we've also seen uh, this head coach have the best player on the field and still get trounced in these games against teams that have these big lines on each side of the football too. So. That's the other. That's the one hope that I think OU fans are kind of holding on to. I think that there's some fans. I one of my good friends that's a huge OU football fan uh, had this breakdown last night. There were a few friends that were in town uh, a little bit late for the holiday. It was easier for them to get off this week, but basically just had the breakdown of, gosh, I love watching Caleb Williams play still, 
and I hate <laughs> seeing him be this good with SC. And yeah. that's the thing. Lincoln Riley's had the best player on the field, the best quarterback in the nation before, and still found a way to mess it up. Well, that's true. Um, I guess he did in in 17 and 18. 18 yeah. And not 19. Um, no, but he Joe had the Burrow, runner up but, for the Heisman that year, too, though. So. Right. Yep, yep, yep. We'll see. I don't know. Um, boy, it'll be fascinating to uh, to see if they beat Utah. Now, Utah is, they're no slouch. They already beat them once. Um, I think USC's probably a little bit better at this point. And uh, like I said, they got that big buy-in factor right now, big wave of momentum. I think they beat Utah. Uh, we'll see what happens. Matchups matter. We'll see who they get matched up with if they do win and do make the playoff. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Final hour rolls on here from Newcastle Casino. Stay tuned. The Ref Network Studios are powered by the insurance adjusters at Brown O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, tornado. We can help. Call 405-735-5510. You'll get to hang out with Coach Stoops coming up here in a few days in Vegas, correct? Yeah. What are we doing, Coach? We going to the craps table first, blackjack? Either one for me. Uh, I go craps <laughs> until I'm tired of standing, and then I go to the blackjack table. But, uh, yeah, going to Vegas. Uh, Roy Williams, of course, is being inducted on Tuesday. We've got a big old youth party for him at the Bellagio on Monday. And, uh, fortunately, I get to go out on Saturday for a buddy's 60th birthday party at uh, one of the other resorts. So uh, it's always a fun. I love going to the College Hall of Fame. I always love seeing other coaches, athletic directors, other great players that are being inducted. It's always fun. It's always a, a great uh, a great collection of people. Teddy, that could mean rock and roll tequila bottle service for you. When, when hey you're oh, there we go. Yeah, that sounds like a good time. It's going to be now. Absolutely. That sounds like a long weekend, Coach. You better. I'd pace yourself early. You you know I've got a I got a lot of stamina, Teddy. I'm, I'm good to go. Oh, good stuff. Well, I love the uh, Roy though. Uh, what a what oh, yeah. an incredible player. Yeah, golly, he's truly one of the very best that I ever coached. Yeah, just an incredible player. Yep, and uh, got better and better. Uh, felt like. Man, this guy's about as good as it gets. And um, then he had his final year at OU, and it's like, man, I guess not. He uh, he uh, he just made play after play after play. Oh. One of those guys where whenever you feel like something has to happen here, that's yeah. where it's going to go. He's going to make something happen. Always. Uh, we put him in, in college where hash marks are different than the NFL. We put him to the wide side of the field in that nickel. We called it nickel position. Brent now calls it the cheetah position. I mean, he dominated. You couldn't throw a screen on him. He would. He could. He could bump and run receivers. He, he just. He blitzed from that position so well. Oh, he he just absolutely controlled the wide side of the field. It was funny that we played nickel to every single personnel grouping. <laughs> Well, which is because, uh, not normal because our our nickel was 215 pounds to dominate anybody. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he could bump and run a 180 pound receiver, or he could blitz and run over a fullback. So <laughs> that was Roy. 
Yep, impressive stuff. Well, the uh, the regular season came to a close on Saturday, Bob. Just kind of your overall thoughts about the the twelve game regular season, uh, what you saw, and, and maybe even what you're optimistic about when you look at the future of this program. I'm optimistic about all of it. I, I'm not like fans, and I, I understand people's concern, and we're not used to being six and six. So take it all the right way. I'm I believe totally in Brent and his staff. Um, I'm, I'm aware of how we lose. Uh, we lost our last, the last three games we lost were by three points. And I think all of them may be on the last drive. Uh, well, this one, last one tied it up and then they ended up, you know, kicking a field goal. And I thought ours was good, but I, you know, I, I haven't seen enough about that to know. But um, I was celebrating when it went over and it's like, oh, it, they called it no good. But regardless of that, um, and then, you know, we lose the last three games by three points. You know, we, we got some wins in between. And then, uh, you know, a our, our couple of our other wins are by a one score, 6.7 points, uh, something like that. And the bottom line, then, the two games we lose by a lot that, that were really bad, TCU and Texas, we don't have our quarterback. Uh, well, TCU, we didn't have them for three, three of the four quarters, and – Texas, we didn't have them at all. And I just think people need a perspective. And I, as a coach, have one. I'm never going to overreact. I'm going to always, how, how close are we? And we're pretty close. Uh, a year ago, we won four or five games by three points to six, seven points. Mm-hmm. And it could have easily, one or two plays, basically, in each of those games, last year or this year, changes everything. And that's how it is sometimes when you're a coach. And I know that's not – I can say it now because I'm not coaching. I don't care what people say about me now. I would, I'd be making excuses if I was a coach now saying that. But a year ago, it wasn't – we were on the right side of those three, four-point games, five-point games. This year, we're not. Yeah. And I get, as a coach, and I get it, I, I would say, as Brent has said, we have to be a better – as players and as coaches, to make those two, three plays that change the game. So I'm not saying no one's taking responsibility, and it's okay. What I'm saying is it's not that far off. And and if, and I know the, that dedication, the commitment of these coaches, that we'll get it right. Um, you know, they'll, we'll be able to make those two, three plays overall in a game that all the stop at the end of the game that wins it. No, a drop or something as a receiver that I catch the ball to touchdown changes changes the score. Those kind of things happen to us in some of these losses that I believe we'll be able to correct. So, in in my eyes, it's everyone. I think, in my opinion, needs to relax. It's not as far off as everybody wants to say, and uh, we will be. You know, we'll we'll keep coming back. No doubt. Yeah, I, you know, I think the the biggest thing is the inexperience on the team. Um, you know, so many young guys out there, first year starting, and you get inconsistent play, but you also get guys that um, you know maybe when it comes to uh, situational football, like just understanding certain things that you can and can't do, and understanding how to win and what it takes and. Like what? How you got to buckle down in the fourth quarter and, and some of that stuff. Like, 
how big of a factor do you think just the experience is and like, what is it going to mean for the guys that did gain this full year of starting and, and, and taking some lumps out there? What does that mean moving forward? No, it, it, experience is everything. It always matters. So, you you know, your juniors and seniors are almost always better than your freshmen and sophomores. It's always that way. The more you play, the better you get. I get there's, you know, you get your certain guys like Adrian comes in and Tommy Harris, certain guys that, it, you know, of course, even as freshmen, they're, they're better than anybody, but not overall. And, and learning how to win and making the right plays or – your poise in the right moment to, you know, do whatever it is to avoid a penalty, to make a play, it matters. And, uh, and again, I just got total confidence in Brent and the coaches, and, and it, it'll happen. It just uh, We got caught one of those years, that, and I know we haven't had them in, in a long, long time, but they creep up on every program everywhere. And, and a lot of times it's a lot worse than this. Bob Stoops is our guest, brought to you by Modelo. You mentioned that you thought uh, at the time that the field goal was good in overtime. I was surprised that that's not a reviewable play. Do you think that should be a reviewable play? Uh, I, absolutely. I mean, what's more important than that? I mean, how hard is it to have a camera? They have them everywhere underneath the goalpost. I mean, yeah. that's that's pretty simple. To, you know, they review every other score. To me, it's ridiculous they don't. I mean, again, uh Every score is always reviewed, so why wouldn't a three-point instead of a six-point touchdown be reviewed? Coach, would it shock you if I told you through over 700 snaps this year there was only one holding call called on an offensive lineman against an Oklahoma defense? Absolutely, it would shock me. That's... yeah. That's almost impossible to do over that number of snaps. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. One against Oklahoma, and what was it? Two against Texas. Well, I, I don't. That one may have been disputed. Um, I saw some people yeah, well, questioning if that was right or not. But the OU one sounds like it is right. Yeah. I'll say this too. I don't care. You know, again, I don't care right now. I'm, you say what you want, whatever. Whoever did our game that last week, that was terrible. It was yeah. embarrassing, I thought. And, it, you know, I, people can criticize me. Don't worry, I won't be reading it. I'm just telling you. <laughs> there were pass interference against, you know, them that weren't called. And I'm sure there were some, they were so bad, I'm sure I'd say the same thing. We had other penalties that they didn't call. It was a bad, bad group. And uh, yeah. so, whatever, you know, so be it. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's too bad, yeah. you know, that, uh, you know, it just, the way, you know, they just, uh, anyway. Yeah, it's bad, tough. You know, it, it, plenty of plenty of other opportunities uh, to win the game for sure, but it, it oh, sure yeah. felt like a re- recurring theme this year that we were getting the bad end of a lot of calls. Uh, I know that bad calls happen, but uh, it sure stacked up against us this year. Uh, well, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say all year. I'm not, I'm not in that camp. But I, I didn't like the whole group. Last week, I, I thought they weren't very good. Yeah, nope, uh, I agree. Hey, what um, we got TCU, Kansas State, and the Big Twelve. Um, Michigan handled uh, Ohio State up there in the Big Ten. Like, what do you think of the way the season's shaping up here, coming down towards the end? Yeah, just 
incredibly impressed with Michigan. Wow. Um, and I, I can't say I'm surprised because I saw them last year in person, you know, in, in Michigan beat them. And, uh, you know, Coach Jim Harbaugh has done a hell of a job. And Jerome Moore, Oklahoma guy, calling their plays, O-line coach, and is calling their plays this year. Uh, good for Sharon. Just uh, quite incredible. Just really strong. And the way they isolated those safeties and bought time blocking eight guys, you know, and just putting two, three guys out in the route. And it's hard to deal with. They, they were, it was masterful. And then, uh, yeah, uh, anyway, um, uh, well, you, and then, uh, the other, uh, oh, uh, the other games, uh, TCU has been on fire. Uh, Sonny Dykes has done an incredible job, but I'll be honest. Uh, and I just looked at the lines really close with K state. If anyone can beat them, it's K-State, and everyone remembers, I'm sure, they had a big lead on them, I don't know, 14, 17 mm-hmm. points. In, wasn't that? In, he was in, in Fort Worth. Fort Worth? Yep, it was. So, I don't know. It, that's you, you can't be surprised if K-State beats them, but the good thing about T, they got one of those years going like we did in 2000 that you just feel like you can't be beat. And there's there's a lot that goes into that when you when you have that kind of feeling. Um, you know, uh, so it'll, it'll be interesting, uh, but if anyone will beat them, it'd be K-State. Yep, going to be fun. All right, Coach, uh, good talking with you. And Have fun in Vegas. We'll see, yeah, we'll see you out in Vegas uh, over the weekend. Yeah, it'll be, it's, a, it's a great few days. Um, uh, again, just elated for Roy, and it'll be fun to be with all the OU people out there celebrating him. Boomer Cerner. All right, Coach. All right, let's hit a quick timeout. Newcastle Casino. We will digest that and talk about it next. This hour of The Rush is brought to you by Riverwind Casino. Casino and hotel, over 2,700 electronic games, 30 game tables, a 24-7 poker room, and the best in concerts and comedy. Riverwind Casino, just south of Norman on Highway 9 and I-35. Rush is back. couple of segments left. Hanging out at Newcastle Casino, I-44, exit one Oh seven here in Newcastle. Always great stuff going on. Hanging out at the front row sports bar uh, where they've got happy hour every day, plus other great promotions throughout the casino. Come see us here at Newcastle Casino. Um, man, bowl projections are are something. The latest was uh, the Cheez It Bowl. Uh, Tyler was talking about against Florida State down in beautiful Orlando. Um, I wouldn't mind a matchup with, with Florida State. Nice name, big fan base, um, <laughs> good opportunity to win the game. So uh, I wouldn't mind that matchup. I just i am not I'm not too big on the, uh, the Cheez-It Bowl. I would still prefer to go to Phoenix and play Wisconsin. But, you know, Venables last night was talking about all the different teams that He's already started looking at, taking a, an initial look at uh, a couple of SEC teams, a couple of Big Ten teams. Um, so I don't know where we're going to end up, but I guess if I had to choose, I would say guaranteed rate, number one, and Liberty, number two. How about you, Drake? Um, Yeah, I, I would probably say... Liberty number one, 
big Memphis guy, huh? Yeah, I, I mean, so I wouldn't mind the cheese it Bowl. I, I, my family's actually going on vacation to Orlando as it is that week. Mm. So it, it wouldn't uh, – it's kind of a very biased decision by me to say that Orlando would be number one. But if I'm taking that aside, uh, I normally would not want to go into Orlando. That airport in general is a nightmare. The city is a swamp. So, yeah. Well, that, I, 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 I that stadium is in yeah. a really weird place. Mm-hmm. Not, It's not what you think of when you think Orlando. Um, yeah. It's... Um, it's interesting, but I guess whatever. Uh, in in December, there's worse places to be than Florida for yeah, sure. Absolutely, and it will be chillier. I, I say it's going to be chillier up in Memphis. I mean, it's pretty warm in Oklahoma right now, unseasonably. But um, I would probably put the bowl in the Phoenix area, number two. At Houston dead last just because of that city in general. I'm very much on board with you on that. Uh, probably, if I had to say my number one, what it would be, it is for very selfish reasons. It would be the Armed Forces Bowl on the 22nd just because it would be before uh, the entire holiday weekend. It would yeah. be just down I-35. It would be much easier from a That one's in Fort Worth, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. At Amon Stadium. So, yeah, yeah. That would actually be my number one pick. Again, very biased, very uh, selfish reasons on that one. But uh, I, I really, any of those at this point, let's just get in a bowl game. Let's go get a win against somebody and let's build some momentum towards 2023 because, gosh, I mean, we need that. The one question I have for you, though, Ted, is you brought up Wisconsin with yeah. the Luke Fickle hire mm-hmm. for Wisconsin. What's the what's the word on your boy Jim Leonard up there, defensive coordinator? I don't know. Um, I talked to my – I've got a friend that is the defensive coordinator – or excuse me, that is the defensive line coach for Wisconsin right now. And um, they are doing, like, interviews and everything with um, with Fickle to see who's going to be retained and, and who's not going to be retained. He, he doesn't feel very uh, reassured that anyone's going to be retained there. So we'll see. Guess you never know. Um, he said that they're all going to find out officially Wednesday or Thursday. Um, you know who's going to be retained, and he said it, it doesn't look good. Hmm. So interesting. I wonder. Where, I, I mean, Leonard in particular was a very hot name as far as a defensive coordinator. He was one of the guys that was yeah. speculated for the Nebraska job in general. So I'm kind of curious. What uh, kind of landing spot he looks at? Because I've seen people speculate him for a head coaching job in the NFL, actually. Yeah. I wonder if he's – what's the latest on Cincinnati? I wonder if he'd be a A a candidate for that. Yeah. Um, Midwest job. I don't know. Honestly, I – 
Midwest job that's going into a Power 5 conference, I mean, it, it yeah. would make sense. It would be a good job for him. It wouldn't be Wisconsin. It wouldn't be the job that he wanted. But uh, a pretty decent consolation prize of going to a program that is built pretty well under Luke Fickle um, yeah. that's going into from a lesser conference into a Power 5 conference for sure. Yeah, I mean, that place, I, which was, you know, I kind of was surprised – that Fickle took that job whenever he did. I mean, Wisconsin is definitely a better job than Cincinnati. I'm not saying that it's that it's not, but the the situation that Cincinnati is, you know, about to head into, right, they're going to get a massive influx of money, which they've never had before. Um, you know, being in a Power Five conference is going to, you would assume really boost their recruiting. Um, they're headed to the Big 12, which, you know, is, is in my opinion, totally up for grabs uh, moving forward. You know, even next year with Oklahoma and Texas still there, right? be hard-pressed to, I mean, you, you, you maybe not be wrong by saying that Oklahoma and Texas might be the top two favorites next year, but, I, we're a long way from saying that right now. Like meaning, like you're about to go into a conference. Like rarely does a non-power five, you know, get an opportunity to join a power five. First of all, much less join it and have a chance to compete for the conference championship right away. So that's why I was kind of surprised that that he he left and didn't want to maybe hang on until something else popped up which maybe there's nothing else you know maybe i don't know i guess maybe if ryan day loses to ohio state one more time maybe his uh, dream job of ohio state would have popped open yeah and that's what i was about to say is that i mean wild things could happen possibly if you go into the big 12 this next year maybe ryan day maybe ohio state takes a step back next year maybe you're looking at a team that's maybe nine and three by the end of the regular season. Now, I I don't necessarily foresee that. This is just completely hypothetical. But, yeah, I mean, that's always been the job that he's been rumored to want, and it makes sense. He was was a coordinator there for so long under Urban. So He was the the interim, right, whenever – Yeah. uh, uh, Was it Trestle that – Yes, Whenever he got fired or had to resign, whatever, however that went down. Yeah. Yeah, you know – it's interesting. Do you think he agreed in terms with Wisconsin before the Ohio State-Michigan game? And <laughs> whenever they got beat the way they did at home, he was like, dang it. Uh, I mean, it, as far as storyline-wise, I want to believe that. Yeah. But I find it hard to believe because I think that Cincinnati played a night game Saturday, it seems like. So that that's probably a little bit hard to believe for me that I would hope – I mean, we witnessed last year a coach that very much agreed to terms while his team still had another game to play last year. I think that we all are pretty much under that impression from last year. Not only did his team have a chance to uh, still have another game to play, his team still had a chance to win the conference and go to the college football playoff miraculously. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I like to believe that there's not any more coaches out there that would agree to terms while his team still has a game to play in the season. But, you know, yeah. maybe that's just too optimistic of me. Yeah. Well, um, 
ignorance is bliss, right? Uh, just just don't tell us. Just don't tell us that everyone's already negotiated negotiated everything out before uh, the eighth game of the season. Um, man, I'll tell you though, Nebraska home run. Yeah. They're the big winners right now. Auburn, I think, made a, a sucky hire. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think it's I think you know Hugh Freeze is he's a weirdo. Okay, <laughs> the guy's a weirdo. I don't know if they just didn't have any better options. I don't know how the job search went, but and he may win some games there. Okay, I, I'm not saying that he won't. He's just a just a weird guy. Uh, but Nebraska, man, they. To land Matt Rule, um, got him for eight years. Whether you like him or not, you got him. He's going to be there for a long time. Um, I, he is made for that job. Yeah, It is going to be really cool to watch him work, how different he is from Scott Frost, how personable he is, and how he works the room, and how he talks to everyone, and how good he does recruiting and you know they their biggest thing is they love athletes he's gonna they've got measurables that they love they're gonna bring in measurables and try and coach those guys up and turn him in turn them into really good football players and it's worked well for them uh, in the college ranks so home run I'm I'm rooting for that to be to be uh, be something big and I know a lot of people maybe don't care but Maybe it's nostalgia with me. I don't know. But I, if there's going to be good teams in the Big Ten, I'd prefer it be Nebraska, you know? Yeah. Because someone's going to be good there. Someone's going to win it. Um, I've got no dog in the fight with Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, for whatever reason. Uh, got a bit of a soft spot for Nebraska. Want to see them do well. So I'm pulling for them. It's going to be fun. All right, quick timeout. We'll come back and wrap things up here from Newcastle Casino. Stay tuned. Opinions. You've got them. We want to hear them. Sound off 24-7, 365 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. All right, Rush is back. Final segment here. Oh, we got college football playoff rankings tonight. Uh, probably not going to be any surprises, right? Going to be pretty straightforward. Georgia, Michigan, TCU, USC in the top four. I guess maybe there's a chance Michigan jumps Georgia as the number one seed after the big win over Ohio State. Yeah, it's, but, it's possible with as as uh, dominant as they were in that fourth quarter, especially against Ohio State. I, I would think that it, it would be very difficult to have anybody jump Georgia at this point in the year, though. I don't know. Yep. Maybe nope. I'm wrong. I kind of agree, and it really doesn't matter to me. I don't care about the seeding at all. No. Uh, I know that a lot of people get, get hung up on that for the matchups, I guess, but um, so long as those two are end, one and two, I mean, I don't think yeah. that anybody's going to throw a fuss. No, and here's how it goes. They, uh, they seed it how they want the matchups to look anyways, right? It There's no it's totally arbitrary. So they'll they'll get what they want out of the top four. So yep. We'll see. All right. That's it for us. Fun show. You guys killed it on the text line. As always, thanks to Newcastle 
for having us out. And thank you to Pacifico. You guys go have an ice cold one. You've earned it. Wake up every morning with the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland. It's the T-Row in the morning show with Toby and TJ Perry on the home of Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network.